Welcome to the Tim Biscuit Podcast, and we've got a returning guest, and this returning guest was only on last week, and it's Alex, you're back. Thanks Good for evening, how are you? <laughs> Thanks for coming on. You've been quite busy in, in like the world of podcasts and getting your message out there, apart from hammering away at Twitter, you was in, on InfoWars last night, wasn't you? Yes, uh, I was on live at 7 o'clock last night, Um I thought I'd be on for about 15 minutes, I think it ran to just over 20 odd. Um, yeah, it was, it was good getting that message and that opportunity to, again, just raise some awareness around the world of what some of us are experiencing and what's go, what we're going through. Now, speaking about experience, experiencing like sort of things, a lot's happened since you was on here last week. Now, it only really applies to England, the UK, really, with Boris Johnson being fined for a breach of lockdown. Um he he went to a birthday party. He like sort of said it was nine minutes, but I think it relates good to you because he broke the rules. But yet the like restrictions and the medication he was push, pushing on the public has had a direct impact on you. So like, what's your feelings now towards Boris Johnson and like his government? Because also Rishi Sunak has been fined, and also here uh, Carrie Simmons and Boris Johnson's wife have been fined. No. Where else in the world would you hear a, a Prime Minister in the first time in history of the United Kingdom or Great Britain or Parliament a sitting Prime Minister has charged and committed a crime? <laughs> it's that, madness. That says everything you need to say and for Ricky Shunak to, to, to do the same if there any honour, these people talk about honour, they're supposed to go to all these very expensive posh schools education, they talk about honour and duty, they should know what the honour and duty is, I shouldn't need to be on here telling them nicer than anyone else, the duty is, resign, you are not fit for the, the role, you they've got them. No, they're not, they've like got no integrity and basically the parasites on society and humanity and people like that show the true colours standing in front of the public day after day saying do this for like, like granny, do this and do that but yet they broke them. And I was just speaking to my fiance that if I lost anyone through the pandemic and I was sticking to the rules etc etc and I found out he broke it, I'd be so angry I'd go down there <laughs> And I would wait for him and try and get to him somehow. Just to, to not sort of to do anything bad, but just to say to him how much of a safe, like selfish parasite of a person uh, he and his Conservative Party is. Because I feel like every party broke the rules. There's like talk about Keir Starmer breaking the rules. I think they've all broken the rules. It's clear. And I'm not saying... You know, the, I, I, I can only... We can, me and you can only imagine, because I didn't lose any close ones to COVID. Me neither, uh, My mother was restricted very much for the last year of her life, which I'll never forgive them. Now, if I'm feeling that angry and you're feeling that angry, I can't begin to imagine those people that couldn't say goodbye to their loved ones, that to say it through a window, through a perfect screen. These people are... The people were dying and they were partying. There is yeah. no more, there's no moral ground there that you can go to that makes... It fair, makes it reasonable, makes it allowable that you had a party. You're the leader of the country, and you had a party breaking and the he rules about that you insisted made into law. You broke the rules, and he knew about parties. And apparently, on the grapevine, it's been said that there might be six other five other more charges being brought. Now, if that does occur, I do feel that he must 
He's got to resign. Well, he's got to resign. He should have resigned a long time ago. He's lied. Now he's been. Li- he's now lied to Parliament on numerous occasions. That's all in Fulham. It's been shown out. People have seen it. When do we stop applying the rules and the law because they've got money? Power and greed should never be allowed in the same room, and that's what's going wrong here. I think it's logic as um, sort of um, like, well, and I do feel through this lockdown, and it has surprised me how many people have just gone along with sort of like a bullshit narrative and they haven't critically thought about things. I mean, people will say to you maybe, well, it's like just one in a thousand with this sort of vaccine, um, the vaccine in like the vaccine injury thing. But when it's you that it affects, it's a different story. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, well, I'll, I'll counter that argument and say, well, it's one in a thousand. One in a thousand is too many. Definitely. Oh. The reality is, these three vaccines have caused more injuries and deaths than all other vaccines combined in the last 26 plus years. That's a frightening figure. Now, when people say they've rushed the vaccine and then the counter argument to someone saying, well, they've rushed this vaccine, saying, well, no, they've just spent loads of cash on it. They've got everyone who's really intelligent, best scientists, this and that on it. Well, if that's the case and this is the end result, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It yeah, bode well for them. That's the best that they can come up with and see this sort of something seriously flawed in the system. Because I don't believe for a minute that these people go to the levels of education that they go to to make errors like that. These errors were known. These people flagged these errors up. And someone somewhere up above said, what, what do you want to do? Just hide it. Blanket somewhere. Because that's how it's looking. We now know that for certain that Tess Laurie, whose career was absolutely destroyed and decimated, ruined because she was right. She produced yeah. a report round about, I want to say, late October, I think it was, November, maybe early December, showing, and it was a peer-reviewed study, which means it's scientifically accepted. It's an official document proving that we had an existing medicine that was cheap, effective and already known to, to what the, the, the safety issues were because there were no safety issues very, very little but by that point, all these vaccine companies had pushed billions into these vaccines and they weren't pulling back and I'll go back to, well how did they get them <coughs> well if you look at the FDA board of directors if you look at the health, UK Health Regulation board of directors, out of the board of directors in both of them, 95% of them, are sponsored or funded through Pfizer or AstraZeneca. These are the people that allowed these vaccines to, to be passed. That is a conflict of interest. Well, there's two things there. The first thing is it tells you how honest and the integrity of everyone that was involved in that, uh, especially with what's come about now. But it also tells you, can you trust the government again? Never. I will never. And it's not just the Conservatives. We're sort of talking about the whole spectrum from Green to, say, 
Britain first to Conservative, Labour, Liberal Democrats. Could, like you, trust any of them again? They would have to do a hell of a lot, not just for me, for so many others. There's some that look as if they're doing the right thing, and I hope they're doing it. And he's, you know, one man particularly, Sir Christopher Chope, seems to be really pushing for us. And I am so thankful for him. Whatever his agenda is, it seems to be genuine, because this man has gone to some serious lengths to try and raise awareness of, of what's happening out there. And he is clearly upset at a system that has been tried to be reformed three times, the vaccine damage payment system. It's absolutely horrendous. If you, if you, you know, I, can, I, I think we've walked through it roughly before, but the criteria is absolutely disgusting. You have to be registered as at least 60% disabled. So if you're less than 60% mm -hmm. medically disabled, you're not entitled to anything. Now, it was at 80%, as I say. If, I'd a lot, if I was under that, I would not have qualified. This is the farcicals of this. And the reality is, despite the pressure, the mountain public pressure of us telling people we have received not one single ounce of support from the UK government other than standard state benefits since this has happened. That's crazy, especially when um, scaffolders are on quite a good wage. Oh, it's irrespective of what was earning. You know, the reality is that... I know, but it's affected your life in such a way that it's like yeah. you was quite a big in a scaffolding and now you've come down to benefits, which is a lot less, say, and the government sort of shafted you. Yeah. And it, it's like a big fuck you. Um, yeah, much that's how it feels. And it's like, well, I've took this for nothing. Do do like sort of do you feel? And it's no disrespect when I say this whatsoever. But do you feel a bit stupid for taking this vaccine now and like putting your trust in something that should have been automatically being trusted anyway, so to speak? Of course, it is. Yes, there's always that element of you question yourself, you know, and then you go look at what you were facing at that time and your rationale around it and what was getting put round, and what you were seeing around you. you. You know, you were seeing old ladies less than 25 feet from your own mum's front door dying with COVID. You know, so, yeah, mum's old, she was 79, but she was frail. So you, so you want to make sure she's safe. You want to make sure your older people are safe. So you try and do it for the right reasons. Now they look back and go, yeah, I still did it for the right reasons. However... Had they told me that there was clotting issues, had they told me that the data was incorrect and then completely out of date, had they told me that and that there was already previous history of this causing clots in, in Norway, would I have taken the vaccine? Under no circumstances. Now that we know that at 56 years old when I was then and the fitness level that I was as a scaffolder, they're under no any reasons for me to have a vaccine because I would have survived COVID at a 1% chance of it being a problem. I think the old COVID scenario, and you mentioned it before, regardless if you think if COVID's real or not, I think it's been one big fiasco, just one big complete cock-up. Yeah, I'm not, I don't dispute that there's a virus. I've spoken to too many doctors that I, I trust. There is a virus and it is killing people, but it is killing mostly people over 70 with morbid commodities or underlying health conditions under 70. You know, that's 
So that's, that's something that was an issue. And I understand we had to, we had to do something. But do, what they've done is they've made something look far, far more worse than it was. And it now looks as if it was to line their own pockets. So it's cost me my life, my career, my passion, my leg, for them to make some money. So <clears throat> we know the physical attributes that well, well i won't say it's an attribute so that's not the wrong way but we know the yeah. physical implications that you've got from having the vaccine i want to talk a bit more today about the psychological impact on you and how has it affected your relationship with your family and friends and i'm not meaning how they are with you because oh, obviously, I am with them. yeah and it's like do you get up in the mornings i'm I know it's a personal question, but are you on any medication for um, anxiety or depression? Has it affected you psychologically that way? Um, luckily for me, no. Has it done? Yes. Have I, have I been de- depressed and angry and sad? Yeah, I've been through all that process. And I'll go through it every day at some point. Um, and it's sometimes something solid that just hits me. That maybe sort of a, you go, yeah, there's a wee bit of remorse there. Um to get up in the morning groggy yeah because the medication I'm on is a muscle relaxant at night to allow me to get some sleep <laughs> about three hours so far which is going well um, so I've lost the kind of throat of the question there because of the brain fog if you could just no <laughs> no that's fine yeah um, I was just going to say that um, what psychological effect has it had on you and right. the psychological effect how's your relationship with your family and friends not how their relationship is yeah, with you yeah. but how have you been towards them have you become more closed off have you become more because i'd be really pissed off I'd, I'd be pissed off with everyone and everything and i would resent people walking past me if if i knew well three months ago i could have been doing that and i i would i proper hate it but maybe that's the sort of person i i am in the like general I think we all think that, you know, you would be that way, but then when it happens to you, you realise that being angry at your family, being angry at, you, at the world, all you're doing is pushing people away at the very moment in your life when you need to be the people around you. Um, I've been very lucky that in the sense that because I've always been, I, I think I've proved it, I've always shown that I've got a very strong mental positive character. Um, I never had any worries about my mental health, shall we say, psychologically. Yeah, there, mm. are, there, is, there is some moments where it's going to be an issue, yeah, and I deal with that. Uh, is there anger issues? Yes, there is, but that's again directed at the, the real reasons why this is here. Um, my friends... No, I've not changed. I I think that's probably the one thing I said from the very beginning. Bef- before my leg was amputated, when I knew it was going to happen, I said, I'm happy being me. And I refused to let anything change that. And I think I've tried to do that as much as possible. Am I happy? Fuck no, I'm not happy. I'm not happy at the injustice, I'm not happy at the grief, I'm not happy at what they've done to people, I'm not happy at the fact that they're treating us like shit and they think they can get away with it. You know, no, I'm not happy and I'm very angry about all that, but I'll direct that anger in the proper ways. I know that in the, the, the ideal 
ahead world that we've all got as men, in an ideal world you'd like to meet them round the corner and meet out some of your own justice, but all mm. you're doing is helping yourself, making yourself feel that little bit better for a couple of minutes. I mean, if you was to meet Boris Johnson face to face and maybe the others who push the vaccine, is it a valance? I can't, I mean, I can't, I can't remember it. Is, um, it maybe not in Boris's best interest to be face to face with me, to be perfectly so, honest with you, because I owe <laughs> these people absolutely nothing. It's so, if, if I'm like, you had to say something face, like, sort of face to face, and like Boris said, tell me, what would you like to tell me? Because it just seems to be sh- sort of shrugging everything off, like, oh, it's just nine minutes. It's this, it's just, it's, it's his blatant disregard for the rules he implemented, and it's the day, and it's the disregard for other people I've got that sort suffer. Of two sentences is for Boris. One has one word, another one has three words. The first sentence is resign. The second sentence is now fuck off. <laughs> I think that's how many people are feeling at this minute. I'm not um, trying to be brave, trying to be this, or anything. That's exactly if Boris Johnson was sitting in front of me right now, what would he be told? It doesn't yeah. like that. I'll deal with that. I mean, have you? Con- I mean, I don't know. I can't remember if we covered this last week, but have you contacted your local MP about? your yeah. situation and <clears throat> what yeah, response um, did you get from them still, he still has roughly about five or six working days to respond to my MSP's uh, letter, official letter from uh, her office to Boris Johnson and after that uh, I've already made it public that I'm waiting on the let- the, the coming and um, he's had his time, I may choose just to public, public, publish the letter and it's a three-page letter, then or I published the letter in my words, rather than put my MSP into a scrutiny that's unfair on her, she's been fantastic. I'll take the words and put them into mine, and they're absolutely horrific. The timeline alone is disgusting. Mm. Um, I was In a previous life, I was a training manager for O2 Customer Services. I trained everybody on how to be a customer service advisor. Right. Um, and if an experienced advisor had came to my table with a timeline review on somebody's case like that, they would be in a room 15 to 20 minutes later having their capabilities re-evaluated. That's how bad it was. It's inept. Um, I've got so much to this letter. Oh, I've got so much to say. Um, this, This letter from, this is the operations, oh, sorry, the Chief Executive Officer of the National Health Service Business Services Authority. I'm not going to name him. People know who he is soon enough. I actually took what was the facts and changed them to suit his narrative. That is unbelievable. And he's actually put it down in writing. This is how inept and incompetent these people are. You couldn't write this up. And they're running the country, so to speak. Sorry? And I said they're sort of running the country, helping to run the country, so to speak. Oh, God sweet fucking lord, we're in trouble. We're in trouble <laughs> than we think. Really? Um, if this is the standard, and 
by the way, this is now the DWP transferred to the National Health Service Business Authority. And both of them, one's more inept than the other. It's that bad. I made a telephone call to the only telephone number that was available at that time for the vaccine damage payment scheme. And it was a voicemail. And I made that call every single week for four months, asking for someone to tell me a definition of what some time was. My and did anyone get back to you? No, my MP wrote two letters to the same department asking the same question. She's still waiting a response as well. It's because it does make you think, was this vaccine just a money-making scam? Um, yeah, I do. No, because if you can go to the logistic level of doing everything they did with, with it and how they've managed to try and push it and this money that's been spent on this is safe, shutting us down... I was censored on YouTube today for my interview last night with Alec Jones. Right, yeah. Apparently I'm putting out misinformation. YouTube are very hot on that. I've been banned three times, so... Um, I, I have appealed it and asked them what medical experts they have that can dispute that. They have none. I'm more qualified than most doctors in that. They have no medical qualifications to dispute what that is. So why are they, they saying they're misinformation? I never, I don't say anything that's not factual. You know that yourself. You've looked at some of the tweets I've put. I, has, I don't understand that, you know. Has your local paper been in touch or like sort of like a local radio station? I think we touched upon this on the last podcast, which I will put the link in the description. But has the local paper or any sort, apart from Infowars, me and uh, Sonia come to you for like your side of the story. There was another podcast, the two ladies, I believe one's in Wales, and I think they're editing it together. Other than that, and James Wales got in touch um, the other night via Twitter uh, to say we'd be in touch next week. At some point we would chat. Other than that, not one single person. James Wales, that's talk radio, isn't he? Yes, I think so, yes. Yeah, because there is a paper, and I've had them on my podcast, called The Light Paper. I don't know if you've heard of them or if anyone's pointed you in their direction. No. No? Um, yeah, what I'll do is I'll like put the information in the description as well, but I will send you the information as well. Brilliant. For The Light Paper. Um, and also Gareth Ike, because Gareth Ike came on my podcast two weeks ago, so he might be worth hitting up as well. I think we're now at the stage where anyone and everyone that will listen to us, I'm happy to talk to it. Because if the more we can get the voice out there, I've said this before, we may be the voice, but we don't have the power. The public has the power. And I'm because just, what? Sorry, go on. Uh, and they're the people that can put the pressure on their MPs. Write them a letter. If they want... I'll get the template letter for them that they can send to their MP asking them to back Sir Christopher Choke. That would be an, an incredible step forward because in the future, this, is not, this has to change. It has to change. People in the future can't deal with what we've been dealing with. I mean, NHS 100 came on my podcast. Uh, I don't know if it was this year or last year now. I've had so many on. Uh, have you been in contact with them? Because they were the group that wanted to... Pre- 
petition against the mandatory vaccine for like NHS workers. And as I've said before, you're one of the prime examples of one reason why you should think very carefully about not taking the vaccine. Now, yours was AstraZeneca. Um, is is unsafe for the other vaccines? Um, Johnson and Johnson is it? As and as that and that, like has any of them caused any problems um, with people? <clears throat> if you look at both the VAERS and the yellow card reports, you know there's been a lot of sort of a statements about both these reports. People say you know it's the number of adverse reactions. What you've got to understand is that I myself was responsible for up to five or six yellow card reports alone. So it's not the, the big number you're looking at. You're looking at the smaller sort of a number where it says, you know, confirmed deaths, fatalities, react, what their actions are. If, even if you take those two figures together, it tells you that both, all of these vaccines in some way or other are showing issues. Everywhere. That's because they've been rushed through. Yeah. Um, and again, if we if we take if we if we want to step back and go right, okay, we'll be logic about this. We were rushed. We had to do this because we, we at that time we knew that this was a dangerous thing. We had to resolve it. Well, what did you do when you knew there was an increased risk for it going wrong? Um, well, we'll add two words to a, an old system for the nineteen seventy nine that one hundred and twenty thousand pound. You have to be sixty percent disabled and has to be most likely caused by a vaccine, which is a really difficult thing to prove. We'll add two words to that policy, COVID-19 vaccines, and we'll just leave existing benefits. That is not preparing for something that's going to be a higher risk. That is culpable capability, making a choice to go, fuck you. That's, a, that's exactly what that is. Have, have you had COVID-19 no. yet? No, never had COVID. Yeah, that's that crazy, one, that, isn't that it? That one's you, not lost on me, Rick. Not lost on me. That's crazy that you took it because you thought you was doing well in doing that for people and yourself. Yeah, for the right reasons. You know, because if I you know, don't hug your granny, save lives, protect the NHS, do the right they, thing. They, they, you know, they, they were quick enough to say, if you're doing this, you're doing the best thing. Get it done, get it done. And then as soon as it goes wrong, they don't want to know. Well, that's exactly what it is, because it took 10 months to receive any kind of support, financial support for myself. I know some people have received still zero financial support. Now, state basic benefits, whether PIP or whatever it is, it doesn't come close to what you're earning as a salary. So the lifestyle that I did have, even if I'd, I did have a, you know, I still had my, my leg. If I've lost my job, I've lost my salary. What the fuck am I supposed to do now? I've still got a mortgage to pay. And these people think I'm, we're supposed to just go away and we're just going to fade away into obscurity. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for swearing, Rick, but hell fuck no. No, do what you want. You have pissed, pissed off the wrong guy now. And I'm not the only one. There's so many of us. I just so, have to be the guy that story that seems to have caught the imagination. I'm just glad somebody has. So what needs to happen then in the, like your view, in an ideal world, what would you like to see happen on sort of a realistic basis? On a realistic basis? We can't change what's happened. We can stop these things again. We can stop these trials, because they are trials. None of them are actually going to get close to be licensed till August 23 at the earliest. And given the data that's now coming out, not one of them is going to pass 
as, as a, a vaccine. That's clear as day. There's far too many adverse reactions. So what I would like to do is take the system that we've got and look at it independently and fairly, not from a government point of view, look at it from all systems point of view, get the, the people that's injured by vaccines, get their families, their support organisation, look at what it takes to support these people and put that fucking into place first, then bring your vaccines out and maybe then people will go, well, see if it does go wrong, I can trust my government now. I, I mean, there is... Can I trust them? No. I don't know what fucking word this is. Can't trust them, says I didn't know I was at a fucking party. Come on. I remember... I've been drunk so many times in my life, right? But I've never been that drunk I didn't know it was a fucking party. And, um, right, the kicker to that is they're offering um, the number four vaccines people saying you must get your boost to control it. Sorry for laughing. It's now at the stage where it's that... It's sub... It's un, you know, you're looking at the audience like it's fucking off another axis somewhere. Somebody's spinning the wheel wrong. Have you thought about setting up a protest, getting a, um, a Facebook group page together, adding people, trying to get a protest to go down to London or somewhere but prominent to make every time voices we get heard? A, every time we get a decent group up on Facebook, it gets taken down. Um, so you've got to be very careful. I, I very much spend very little time on Facebook. You know where I spend my time is on Twitter at the moment, and that's because that's where I found most of the people that are that have conditions like myself, that have, have found others, friends like me, and what? other people that are having a bigger fight than me. What about Telegram, getting a group set up on Telegram? There's, there's a, there is a couple on ter- Telegram. There's a couple on Signal as well. Um, yes. I, I'm, I'm aware of that there's so many other people fighting the same cause, which is fantastic. And we're all starting to sort of get to that stage where we're becoming known to each other. And never, as opposed to sort of a not working in conjunction, we are starting to work in conjunction because we're touching base with each other because there's that many big organisations coming. Because we're not going away. You know, I can tell you under the, in the background that there's qualified doctors, lawyers, policemen, nurses, you name it, all the way down to people like myself who have got a common theme. Let's stop this. Let's change it. Let's try and fix this. We're never going to fix it for everyone. But let's should, make it right. It, yeah, I mean, like, it's people's choice if like, they take the vaccine. And I'm not asked who takes the vaccine and who doesn't take the vaccine. It doesn't make no difference to me whatsoever. But when you, and like, we all know no vaccine is 100% efficient. We all know there's a risk with everything. There's a risk of putting your socks on in the like the morning. But on the flip side of that coin, if people stood there every night pecking your head at the same thing, take this, take this, take this, and you did take it, and then it backfires. And then when you say, well, it's backfired, you, you, I'm like, there's no responsibility. There's no responsibility. But yet you get them people saying, well, you didn't know the risks and like vaccine that 100%. And it's like, what, what the fuck are you on about? You've just said. It's, it's, it's just nonsensical to me. It's, it's just pure nonsense now. It's just like, yeah, <clears throat> it's like we're living in clown world. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, like the, along the, with everything the, else, what's going on? I just, I just don't know where it's going to go. It's like if we don't talk, if we don't acknowledge it and talk about it officially, it doesn't exist. They'll go away. This seems to be Boris's current. You know, I'm I'm naming Boris because he's the man that's the head of the government. So he's the man who called all the shots through this. At the end of the day, yeah, there's people behind him and the regulator authority that have to be looked at. But he's the man that made the rules, that made the laws to change the country to force us into lockdowns. So it's his his game. At the end of the day, telling people all you'll have is a sore arm for a couple of hours and maybe a cold or flu-like symptoms for 48 hours when they knew that there was issues with particularly the AstraZeneca one at that time. That's not give a fuckery. So he's got nowhere to go. He's got absolutely no ground that he can make up with me. And that's how I've got two cents him. Resign. Now fuck off. Because there's nothing that man can ever do to help me. Because he doesn't want to help me. Because I don't exist as far as he's concerned. I hate to tell him, Boris, I've got a surprise for you. I ain't going fucking anywhere soon. What Will says, yes, we're trying to, we have tried to sort of pull something together. But obviously, what's happened is that while we try and get people together, other people's health fail a bit. Some people go into some sort of relapses and just trying to get people to a level of fitness that we can, we're spending all our energy fighting to get, to get support that we're actually, what's the word I want to use? We're actually taking ourselves a step backwards in our own recovery for our health because we can't focus on recovering. So we try and figure out how to be a support. Having like, ever thought about taking a step back from it just to give yourself a break from it all? Are you sort of still that passionate about it, which obviously you are going to be? But have you ever thought about for like your own sanity to just maybe take a week off, not look at Twitter, and have a break from it, or just can't you do that psychologically? And or is it something you don't want to do? Um, it's something that I. A, I don't want to do. B, it keeps me fired up. C, I do take breaks. I know people think I'm on here 24-7, but I do take breaks. Um, I'm going away Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday next week. Um, me and my wife are going for a nice wee relaxing spa. Um, that's, and for those three days, I will be out of sync for even probably my family, other than my wife and my two daughters. Um, because yeah, sometimes you've got to take your need out of it. You can't do this 24-7, 365, without using an energy level that you can't keep up. So you've got to recharge your batteries. Will I ever give up fight? Nah. Never no. give up. No. Well, um, if anybody that knows me, and you, I can give you a few references, they'll tell you, I've never gave up on anything I've charged, I've, I've aimed for in my life. So was just a warm-up to now. So, after your break, you're going to come back, so we'll say in about maybe three weeks' time. What's your plans for three weeks? Have you got anything planned? I mean, I'll send you some bits and bobs over that you can contact you, but what's your sort of outlook view? I say a few weeks, maybe within the next year. What's the sort of your game plan? A really, really busy... (laughs) Uh, time coming ahead 
what we're in, we're in April. I have a wedding down in Brighton in May. I have a wedding in Cyprus in June. Um, in between that, I'm hoping to get my my new love. Don't tell the wife. Uh, she'll be ready in the next week or so, as far as I'm aware. I'm hoping. Um, that takes us into sort of a June-July. By June-July, I'm hoping that I shall, at that point, be back walking without sticks. If I can get to that level for even an hour a day, not allow me to sort of a, get the physical cycle, but go, go to the gym, start working on that again, I'll never give this campaign up. This is not just about me. If they turned around and gave me everything in the world tomorrow, it wouldn't be enough. Because they've not gave everybody else the same. And when you do that, that's when I'll rest. And that shows what person you... Sorry, go on. I can't rest within myself knowing that, I'm letting, that I've am not fought them with everything I've got. And that shows what person you are. It shows how much morals you've got and how much integrity you actually do have. And how like, much you're prepared to fight. And not just that, you're sacrificing a massive part of your life. Maybe a good five to ten years, maybe, of fighting. And it's not a bullshit thing. I'm not going to call it that. But sort of a bullshit cause that's... The vaccine is like the bullshit cause. And it's like everything that went with it is just bullshit. And I would be so angry. If I was you, I said this in like the last podcast, I'd be so angry. But you're such a positive guy and like... I just don't know how you do it. Kudos to you. Um, all I would say is, put me in a 652 room and shut the door. I'm not telling you who to put in the room. I'll get rid of manga that way. Quite easily. But as long as that door's kept closed and nobody else goes in. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah. But um, again, thanks for, thanks for coming on. Um, and thanks for telling your story. Um, you're always welcome on the podcast. The podcast is here for you. It's open to anyone and everyone who wants to talk about anything. So it's not just vaccines or COVID or conspiracy or this and that. You know, we talk about everything here. I tell you what, the next one we'll talk about mod culture or something. How about mod mod culture would be good because I started listening to the jam was like. The, like the jam went when I was about thirteen, twelve, and I'm forty three now. Right. Um, so what was the first? What was the first song album for you then? The first song. Well, I've got a brother, and he was well. He was he, and he is older than me. And um, I, I don't. I think it maybe was eat, like sort of eating rifles, going underground. Then obviously it was bitterest pill, and you just went on from things like um, that butterfly collector. I'm going to say nineteen eighty onwards. Um, 81, 82, just before the, the, the sort of a transmission of the jam going into style council with Paul Wellers, about time you get into him? Well, I got into him when I was still at school, so I'm 43 now, so I must have got into him when I was 14, so about 91. Right, so they were gone by the time you had got into them? Yes. Right, I got into them in the first album. Which is good, because you was there. Setting Songs is um, like my favourite album, and I think Set Little Boy Soldiers, yeah, and like... Luke, Little Boy Soldiers is probably one of my favourite songs. I can take a picture of something that's on my hall and send it to you. Okay, okay, yeah, that right. sounds good. It's Setting Sons. Right, cool. It was, it was done, oh, 
I want to say 1979, 1980, 1989, hand painted, and it's by my, it's myself, and it's my interpretation of Setting Sun's album. Nice. Send it over. Send it over. Cool beans. Uh, the Jam 77, somebody, my brother, now brother-in-law gave me the Inner City LP. I was 13 years old. Have a listen to that. And I was like, wow. In the City is a good song. Oh, what a, this was the full album. Um, and that's, that, that just got, I loved it. I, I, I liked the, the rawness of punk. I wasn't so sure. I, I got the anger. I got the anti-establishment. I couldn't get the anarchy side of it because anarchy never achieves anything, if that made any sense. No. So, yeah. under the, you know, so when the jam came, I had the anger, I had the anti-establishment, but we didn't have the, the anarchy. We had a format, you know, we were together. It was a whole movement. To a certain extent. That's what got me into the whole mod culture, sort of, as the scene. Um, but I've always, if you ask me, you know, my favourite album, it's got to be, oh God, it depends on the day. It goes from setting suns to all mod cons to modern world to in the city. Some of the older ones, there's some cracking songs on them, but I kind of thought they were starting to go more style counselling for a winter battle world. But the early ones, the rawness, the, the guys creating that energy on a stage was phenomenal. It's, I saw the jam live six times. Blimey. Have you ever been to see from from the jam with um, oh, Bruce yeah. Foxton? Oh, what a band! Um, for, I, 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 for funny enough, for someone who's in a covers band, I was never good at going to see tribute bands, um, and especially jam ones. And someone had bought me a ticket. I, I want to go back oh, fifteen years, uh, maybe not around about fifteen years, and from the jam we're playing at the Glasgow Barland. Moving along, and it was Bruce Fox and um, Rick Butler, and I forgot the boy sings. He's a phenomenal singer. He's good, isn't he? Oh yeah, he's really good. And I'm going to lie, there was elements of that gig where I thought, you know what, you actually sounded there or thereabouts with the jam, and actually on some occasions you matched the the original power energy song. His vocals live were far, far better than than Weller's, in my Ooh. opinion. Uh, it wasn't. <laughs> you might be going up dodgy ground there with some people. Yeah, listen, Paul Weller's a great singer, and he's, he, there's he, there's no doubt about it. He's some of the he's wrote some of the best lyrics I've ever I've ever heard. You know, life from a window. I'm just taking in the view. You know, these wee things. You know. Staring at a grey sky, trying to paint it blue, teenage blue. All that angst that's in that song. These lyrics. He's a genius. Well, I... I no doubt him. I think we should save this and we should do another podcast. <laughs> and we should do a music podcast with um, the Mod Culture podcast. And oh, what Mod Culture was. I'd love to do that and I'd love to talk about the songs that I love and that influence me and why they influence me. Because I've been in, I've, I am like was in the, I was in the band. I am like been in a band, but the guitarist that was in the band was into Motown and um, sort of that, and he was into that sort of mod culture. And going to some gigs with him, like we went to see the Selector, and then I learned Dex's Midnight Runners was quite popular in the mod scene. Hence the name Dex's Midnight Runners, the Blue Pills, like the. Yeah. Do you know what? 
Sorry? Gino Washington, the reference to Gino. Gino was a, a, a an early sort of a 60s reggae sort of a mod type sort of a genius guy. Right. Uh, uh, so some of the, yeah, that whole culture, I, I, I'd love to talk about, especially Northern Soul. Oh, good Lord, my heaven, Northern Soul. Northern yeah. Soul is just Motown that didn't make it. But right. So, oh, yeah, but I'll, I'll tell you what. We'll sort I, it out, and I, they won't we'll get a talcum powder out as well. <laughs> I'll bring ten of my favourite Northern Soul songs as a list, and see if you can recognise any of them. You're on. You're on. We'll set it Deal. up. Deal. Deal. Well, thank you very much, Alex, for coming on. I will send you everything over, and we'll get that sorted out for maybe next week. Then, completely up to you. Your the podcast is always open, twenty four seven. Yeah, definitely. Let's make a date next week. Then, why don't we? Cool beans. Excellent stuff. Well, thank you very much, Alex, again. And again, a massive thanks for coming on. And again, with anyone who wants to come on the podcast to talk about anything, you can do. But just remember, it is all free speech and it is all unedited. So whatever's been said on the podcast does go out, regardless if I say it or like anyone else says it. (laughs) (laughs) So that's one rule I have to stick by. Much appreciated. Thanks very much again, team. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Cheers for that, Alex. You take care, buddy. Cheers. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. The Tim Biscuit Podcast.